Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs and the Lockdown NBA Network. I am Jeff Garcia, your host for today. I'm also with the Spurs Zone. You can find it at News4 San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Welcome back. Tough day. Hope we get past uh, today. Uh, the stretch run is here. But, I mean, then again, with this quarantine life, what's there really to look forward to in the weekend anymore? Just, I guess, more binging, series binging, Netflix binging? Maybe there's that. But as states begin to loosen up their stay-at-home orders and reopen – uh, the NBA is following suit. Uh, the NBA recently announced about uh, practice facilities, team practice facility, your Spurs team practice facility, excuse me, could be opening it up soon. But what does that mean for your Spurs? We're going to be talking about that. Uh, we're also going to be talking about well, right up right here in a few seconds about the draft. Uh, yesterday's lockdown Spurs, we were asking about how the draft could impact San Antonio, but we briefly touched on it. We didn't really dive deep. Uh, to help me dive deeper than what we talked about last, yesterday is my good friend, James Pleasure. You know him, you love him. He's with ESPN San Antonio, co-host of Saturday Morning Hangover. James, welcome back to Lockdown Spurs and um, hope you're being safe and washing hands and all that good stuff, man. I've purchased and used more hand sanitizer in the last <laughs> month than I've used in my entire life. So, sure, I think so. <laughs> my my hands are like so like crispy. You know what I mean? Like they're dry as hell because I'm keep on lathering up every uh, couple hours, and now it's starting to become almost second nature for me. <laughs> I don't that's know not, if that's a good yeah. or a bad thing. I know, right? Um, I'm because going a little part overboard. of it is like you know you 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 allow yourself to build up immunities by being exposed to certain things. Yeah, but now well, we can't expose ourselves or others to things that we could possibly. So it's it's like a catch twenty two. <laughs> right. Well. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, and there's a bigger catch-22 for the San Antonio Spurs and the NBA draft now. Uh, full disclosure, everybody, uh, when I invited James on for today's episode, uh, he brought up a good topic about the draft. And as mentioned, you know, we went deeper. I mean, we went a little bit into the Spurs and the draft yesterday. But James started bringing up some good points about the draft and how it can impact your Spurs. And James, last season or last draft, the Spurs had a high pick, but they're likely to get a higher pick whenever the 2012 uh, 2020 excuse me nba draft uh comes because we don't know if kobe's gonna push that baby back more or anything like that they're mm-hmm. slotted to at least project to get about the 10 or 11th spot mainly the 11th pick and that should be like hey that's a good pick but you're kind of saying hold on oh, let's hold up the hold the horses here the way the virus impacted the nba landscape the way it's likely going to impact the draft could have huge ramifications for the Spurs, can it? Yeah, um, it could have huge ramifications in in two different ways in terms of prospects falling down the board from not being able to get your hands on. Like we just finished with the NFL draft. So we saw a lot of prospects kind of go up and fall. You know, at least they got their combine in. They didn't mm-hmm. get their medical rechecks or their pro days or anything like that to kind of double back on on things that they were checking out with players that you may have gotten injured or whatever the case may be. So there was at least some information, but even then, like Tua Tungavailo, who was the consensus number one overall pick going into the year, injured his hip. Next thing you know, he falls all the way to five. 
mm-hmm. when the whole draft was about tanking for Tua. And it's because people couldn't medically check his hip and make sure that he was going to be okay. You know, um, there there are a bunch of players that kind of went through certain things, whether it was a, a shoulder injury that pushed him down the boards or uh, ankle injuries. Grant Delpit, a first-round safety, fell into the second round. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw a whole bunch this past draft that just wrapped up over the weekend of players falling because teams are uncertain of medical evaluations or pro day workouts or anything like that that you know they're used to being used to having access to mm-hmm. well at least they got in their combine the nba wouldn't even be able to get in their combine under the current right. situation because if you think about it think about how many players coaches and stuff are all involved in a combine in a small gym like mm-hmm. you can't do that right now right so the only thing they're going to have to go on if you think about it, is just the tape from the previous years. Mm-hmm. How, so a lot of how these guys it, are one and done type guys. How impactful was it that there was no March Madness? That's huge. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. a player uh, about a player uh, like Steph Curry, like he came out of nowhere almost because of what he did in the tournament. A guy like mm-hmm. Obi Toppin could have probably made a push into the top three if. You know, he's, he highlights himself the way we thought he would throughout March Madness. You know, you can see Cinderella's stories emerge to where, you know, John Morant, like he was being talked about around the top of the draft, but I don't right. think anybody thought he was going to go as high as two until they saw them play in the tournament. And he just kind of took over those first couple of games, and people were like, mm-hmm. whoa, this kid can ball. He is explosive. Right. He's got bounce. And John Morant kind of, kind of was that guy last year that made a big jump. We've we've seen it in the tournament to where guys that are known in NBA circles, but you know they can make a huge bounce in the tournament if they really show themselves out. Do, do you think, with the way the situation is right now because of the the virus, and you know, and just a quick recap uh, for those listening in uh, who may have not heard that the NBA pretty much told teams that you cannot do individual workouts like in person. That is not allowed. Teleconferences is okay. Teleinterviews are all right. Video as James is talking is all right. It's just a whole close contact is what they're avoiding as teams get set for the NBA draft. Uh, James, how big is it now that the Spurs, all NBA teams are now going to have to really dive deep into their, their brain trust you know, making calls more than ever, leaning on personal interviews. Do you think that is going to take away from the picks as far as the confidence of uh, being in that war room to say, you know what, we're going to take this guy because he had a really good interview with us. You know, how big is that? It's, it depends on, on your departments. Like you okay. would feel confident in the Spurs ability to address character and talent. Mm-hmm just through tape like you you would feel because of what they've done and overseas and all that stuff you would have confidence in the Spurs staff you would have confidence in Oklahoma City staff to be able to Mm -hmm. unearth talent you would have confidence in in certain GMs certain structures certain team organizations and those are the ones that perennially draft 
very well and find talent in the draft. There are others that this could be a huge problem for, or maybe it's a good thing because they only Mm -hmm. can rely on the tape and they don't have to go off of things that they saw when he's uncovered, jumping up, trying to, you know, knock some plastic bands around on a vertical jump, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, maybe because some, some GMs get enamored with measurables and stats and, and, ability and upside and sometimes you just need a dude that can ball right and the yeah. dudes that can ball you can see that on tape here's something so i just thought of right now good or oh. bad for most of the nba in that term now you right. have to also think about it in a in the negative light of things which is sure some guys could slide down the board because they can't you know really gauge or get their hands on them or, or, or do combines and they have to rely on certain. So maybe somebody could fall to the Spurs mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have expected originally, or the opposite could happen. And this is kind of the scary part is guys like all these early draft entrants, whether it's Jameis mm-hmm. Ramsey or Tyrese Maxey or whoever it may be. A, a lot of them haven't hired agents yet, because they have until June 3rd to make a decision if they're going to stay declared for the NBA draft. Right. Well, with none of this, with none of this stuff available to them and the NBA season still not even sure when it's going to draft because they're not sure when the NBA season's even going to finish. Some of these guys might pull their name out, go back to school increase their stock that way for the following season and try again next year, which could lead to a very limited draft pool in terms of talent. And that could be bad for a bunch of teams. A couple of things that popped in uh, my mind right now, while you were talking, we know that maybe the college players are impacted right now because of the virus. And you mentioned March madness and the, you know, the workouts, how that's kind of been altered. What about the G league? the G league have players that are in an NBA system, at least before the G league se- uh, season got canceled altogether. G league players are allowed to enter their name in the draft. They, 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 they can do that. We've seen it before. Do you think you might see a, a spike in that, I guess, street that teams could be looking at? Like, okay, we don't know if college player a, you know, what he can really do, but boy, we have a bunch of videotape on G league player B and look, look what he did. Do you think that could be something that the NBA teams could be looking at? Well, you have to look at that in certain ways because it's only good for uh, certain players. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're starting to kind of see things in terms of G League players going into the draft and now we're starting to see top high school players that are going to go on a showcase team in the G league out of LA guys like Jalen green, who have entered this G league, you know, he's going to make 500,000 or whatever it is, go play a year in the G league and then declare for the draft. There's going to be uh, uh, a couple of players that have decided to go this route that were going to be very, very high prospects but there's also the guys like Greg Brown who decided, well, you know what, I'm going to 
instead of taking 400,000 and going to this G League showcase team, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Texas. Now, like I said, this task is going to be for some, not for all. And we're going to see that. But here's the thing, too. What's what's a guy like Jalen Green going to do if there is no G League season? Yeah, there's that, too. What about this uh, idea? Leaning more on Euro players, foreign players. These are guys that are playing in professional uh, league levels. Uh, They're playing, you know, sometimes you see teenagers playing against men. We saw that the Spurs have a history of that, drafting very young Mm -hmm. players that have played professionally uh, with guys twice their size, twice their age, and have relatively success in San Antonio, Mm -hmm. let alone the NBA. Could you see also the Mm -hmm. Spurs NBA teams and then come draft day, just see a bunch of foreign players being selected? Yeah, I mean, there's a good possibility that we could see a spike in in foreign draft picks just because of the situation. There's a, a bevy of people that we see drafted from, you know, whether it's Barcelona or right. or Asvel, uh, Paris or whatever it may be. Like yeah. we see different Euro leagues, different Euro players, different Euro basket type players getting drafted into the NBA and it's always going up and we see them getting taken higher and higher and Luka Doncic is a great pick. Mm-hmm. But then there are guys that get drafted that you never see come over that you always wonder like, why won't they? A guy like Sergio yeah. Yul, who is thought to be one of the better point guards in all of Europe when it comes to his game and he's never even wanted to try and get bought out and come over and his rights have been held by a bunch of different teams including the Rockets so I mean it all depends on a if the player wants to come over if they're happy in Europe and b you know their league was shut down too so Mm -hmm. you're looking at half season tape you're looking at not being able to get your hands on them because they also come out and work out during these prospect things like all draft invitees get to do these workouts Mm -hmm. and these workouts aren't going to be available to teams and they're going to have to rely solely on the tape this year so it's going to be interesting to see if players especially in europe that make good money anyway want to make that jump with such an uncertainty on the NBA season, at least this year, and the draft process, or wait for another year. Yeah, the, the Spurs Spurs fans as well know a thing or two about foreign players that look great but don't want to come to the NBA. Um, recently, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Spurs foreign uh, big men, big man center, considered one of the best, uh, Malutinov, uh, he decided to stay another three years in Russia, even though the Spurs hold his rights. You're looking yeah. at even former Spur Nando DiColo, you know, didn't really quite make it in the NBA at an early age, but now he's busting up the EuroLeague. And there's scouts out there that say he's one of the better prospects, but, you know, he doesn't want to come back to the NBA because, again, that money, you know, being the man on a team and, you know, putting up good numbers is doing well for them. So, yeah, this, this draft is really going to be interesting in how things sort out. Now, for the Spurs, though, they have a history you of think about dream. their ability to market themselves in Europe too, being the man on a yeah. team versus the uncertainty of the NBA in terms of, you know, whether you're going to be a guy coming off the bench, whether you're even going to be able to translate, whether your coach even runs a system that's going to be suited to your skill set. 
you know, right. all of these things are different and there, and there's something to be said about the ability for some of these guys to just ball out and especially making money off the court with, you know, whatever kind of endorsement deals that they'll be able to make over there because they're going to be more plentiful than they would be here in the States where the Euros outside of like a Luka Doncic just aren't Mm -hmm. that marketable. Yeah. And look, you know, the Spurs uh, for the most part do very well in the draft. Uh, You know, there's the proofs in the pudding. Just look at their golden years, Amon Ginobili and Tony Parker. The jury's still out whether a guy like Lucas Samanich is going to pan out. Uh, but so mm-hmm. far, Keldon is looking good. Uh, it's a shame that the season got cut short because he is looking like he was getting the groove going. But you look, if you're the San Antonio Spurs, you obviously got to have faith in whatever's gotten you draft success. But for the Spurs in a very unpredictable draft, do, do you think they should draft for need or draft for best available? I, I don't care if this is a normal draft or any other draft. If, I don't care if you've got, you know, the best power forward in the league and you take the best player. And mm-hmm. I believe in the NBA, this is more of a player driven league than anything else. And we're evolving more and more to positionless basketball. Like, are you telling me the Warriors shouldn't have taken Clay Thompson because they already had a shooter in, in Steph Curry? Or, right. you know, you know, just find the best player and take that player and then find a way to make the pieces fit because the league is less and less about positions and more about floor spacing and the ability to score offensively and create turnovers defensively. So more so than anything, take the best player. And, and I don't care – if you've got a future Hall of Famer standing in the way, find a way to put those two people on the court together. Like, mm-hmm. should the Spurs not have taken Tim Duncan because they had David Robinson? Right. Or are you going to find a way to put them on the court together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's we've good. seen it. We've seen it. And I, I always just kind of laugh at the people who are like, well, we really need a power forward to kind of round out this team. No, you need the best player available to round out this team because the more stars you have, you can do one of two things. You can either trade it for more assets, more players, get a player that, you know, fits whatever you're looking for by flipping a superstar, or you find a way to make it work the way Golden State has, the way Portland has with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. You know, it doesn't matter. You find a way to put good basketball players on the court at the same time because the more of those you have the better a team you're going to be yeah the uh, spurs and not just san antonio you know the rest of the nba uh teams that are in the draft um they got it, it, it's a bigger crapshoot this draft would you say that uh james that it's a bigger wild card this year because of what's happening uh, with the uh, virus Yeah, I mean, there's actually a possibility when you think about it that we we either don't get an end to this season or the draft happens while the season's still going on somehow. Mm -hmm. And either one of those is just going to be wildly impossible to think about in terms of you're either drafting people that you've had no chance to really physically get your hands on and figure things out about, or... The flip side of that, GMs are going to be split between games 
and things going on on the court, you know, whether it's somebody gets hurt, having to make a transaction, pull somebody up from the 10 day on top of trying to go to a combine and run a draft and all these other things, you know, it's something that's never been done in the NBA in terms of trying to perform a draft mid season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting what the Spurs will do with the pick they have in the uh, NBA 2020 draft. And that's what we're going to be talking about next with James. What can the Spurs do with that pick? As well as discussing James' thoughts on which players that maybe look enticing for him if he was in the war room with the Spurs. We're back, and I'm joined by James Pleasure. He is the co-host of ESPN San Antonio's The Saturday Morning Hangover. James, tell everybody how they can follow you on social media. At I am Pledger, and that's pledge like Pledge of Allegiance with an R on the end. By the way, before we continue our chat about the draft and the Spurs, do you think the uh, the way things are going, we could possibly see the NBA draft do what the NFL draft did? <laughs> I guarantee it almost. All right. I, uh, okay. I would say it's a 90 90- 8.9% chance because I mean, while some stay at home orders are being lifted, like New York's not going to get lifted anytime soon. Seattle, yeah. like the, the San Francisco, uh, o- Oakland, you know, Golden State area, right. like the, the more Northern cities and especially the ones that were true hotbeds here in the United States aren't going back to normal anytime soon. So I could totally see a virtual NBA draft the same way kind of that the uh, NFL did it and there are you know there are positives to that in terms of 55 million viewers over three days is the highest rated NFL draft uh, of all time and it just blew away numbers on all days and people were locked in throughout the entirety of the whole thing you know I actually found it more entertaining than the actual in-person live draft I like the little um the little insight you can see of their family reacting, um, you know, families jumping up for joy. Uh, the funny stuff that popped up, like Belichick's mm-hmm. dog being in front of the laptop, and you know yeah, how that, that was your, it was that was fantastic. Like, it yeah, was such a great part of this draft this year. Cliff and his bachelor pad out there in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, like exactly. all of it was just so phenomenal. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL draft maybe continues it. Do you think they will go back to in person, or do you think this was kind of a one one and done deal? I mean, the I numbers are there. Going, I think there's going to like they're going to try and get back to normal. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. they're going to try and keep some of like the the nuances that they that you know a lot of us come to love during this, which is you know draft cameras inside almost all prospects room, like zoom Mm -hmm. them from the house as their families react. Like even on the later days, I mean, there's no reason not to have cameras inside some of these other players houses or players that aren't even at the draft itself. Like you can still do go and dap up with the commissioner, but you can also have cameras in the homes of the people that decide and elect not to go. Mm -hmm. Well, Again, the Spurs likely will have the number 11 pick if things stay the course. Uh, but I've seen between a, 10 and 12 in most. Yeah, yeah. A lot of draft boards say they'll likely fall 11. So we'll just we'll just say we give the span 10 and 12. How's that? Okay. Regardless sure, of wow. whether the Spurs get the 10th, 11th, or 12th pick, you're in that war room, James. Are you 
you're looking to move up if you're San Antonio, move down, package, keep. What should the Spurs do in a very unpredictable draft? I mean, I don't know how much upward movement there's going to be for the Spurs unless mm-hmm. you can, you know, part ways with a DeMar DeRozan during the draft or part ways with a LaMarcus Aldridge during the draft or, you know, maybe package them with a Derek White. Like, th- those are the only ways I see you able to move upwards in the draft this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? The Spurs stick with their pick or – they yeah, if you if you look at the Spurs outside of the year that they kind of went up and got Kawhi in that mm-hmm. trade with the Pacers, and then you have to think about it, they kind of they had at least some arsenal to be able to do that in terms of George Hill. Mm-hmm. So yeah. unless something like that happens, I I just the Spurs don't make a lot of moves, whether it's at the NBA trade deadline, whether it's you know in the draft, they just they're not creatures of movement. You look at what the Spurs have done in the past in the draft. You mentioned it. You know, they don't really move that up. You know, the last thing they did was Kawhi. Um, but they pick very well. Would you think that at that 10, 11, 12, wherever they, wherever they land, are they going to find somebody who's going to make an immediate impact, be a good role player, or they're likely going to stick that player in that Spurs, Austin Spurs system? <laughs> Well, we haven't seen them pick this high in a long time. The last time they did was Kawhi, and he was a guy that was able to at least, you know, stick mm-hmm. on the roster. But that that player better be immediately ready, or else, yes, they're going to spend a lot of time in Austin, and I would still mm-hmm. expect them to, just because Kawhi, his body was almost already ready for the NBA. Like, yeah. he had this strength, and he – it wasn't about scoring. It was just about his defense for the most part and his ability to move and transition. His shot developed as he was here. But for the most part, especially the reason he got minutes early was because defensively he could still body up on on those guards and small forwards in the NBA. And that's what they used him as, is kind of a Bruce Bowen stopper. The Spurs, you look at the roster right now, they got a bunch of young guys. Um, Derek White, Keldon, uh, Shamanich, Weatherspoon, uh, Murray, the list goes on and on. They're going to be adding another young player, more than likely. Uh, you look at you look at the makeup of the team right now, uh, guard heavy as we speak. Uh, you have more guards out in Austin. Weatherspoon, he's another guy that looks okay in Austin. You're looking for a player that's just going to mesh with this next wave of the Spurs? Because you look at the roster right now, and I know you mentioned it earlier, you know, you draft a best player available, but there is a need, and that big need is size. They don't have size outside of LMA and uh, Pirtle. That's something they can address in free agency, or um, they're just going to get go, like you mentioned, just be positionless basketball and, you know, work with what they got. But if it's me, mm-hmm. if it's strictly me, I'm drafting the best person available and I'm addressing anything else I need to address in free agency. Okay. Like the, the draft is strictly about finding talent. It's not about trying to fill a a hole or fit a need because it's all unproven potential. So you want 
the best chance to hit on that unproven potential as possible. In the in free agency, you at least know what you're getting in terms of an NBA right. player, what they do yeah. well, what they don't, and you can even find guys like uh, Trey Lyles and, and you know kind of rejuvenate their career because mm-hmm. they fit better in your system than they did somewhere else previously in their career. So for me, the whole thing becomes. Take your best player available. Make sure you knock the draft pick out of the park because talent is second to none in the NBA. If you got talent, you can figure it out whether it's on the court or trade. Like one of two ways, it will work itself out because you want the value more than you want the position. I will figure out the position stuff in free agency. Like wherever I'm lacking, I can address that hole in free agency with either a big name free agent or a smaller name free agent just to do what I need you to do, a.k.a. the dirty work or the glue stuff or whatever right. it may be. Yeah, and you look, they, they do have Matu, who's in Austin right now. Uh, you know, that's another big, you know, that they can go Eubank. to. Eubanks as well. Um, he's a free agent coming off his second his second two-way deal. So we'll see what the Spurs do with him. But yeah, the Spurs do have options at that big department. Well, let's talk about that talent now. You know, during the break, uh, you mentioned a few names. Uh, what are a few uh, kids uh, that the Spurs should be looking at in your opinion? Well, I can tell you where I think a lot of people are going to fall. And you can, the, the big the bigs that you're looking for, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. are going to be going early in the draft, whether it's, you know, LaMelo Ball, 6'7", he could play, you know, 3-4 kind of stuff. James Wiseman, the seven foot one kid from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Obi Toppin, the 6'9", forward out of Dayton. Like, those guys are going to go near the top of the draft, I think, somewhere in the first, you know, five, six picks. So you have to start looking further down. Isaac uh, Okoro out of Auburn. He's kind of a six six three, you know, two three kind of player that possibly could fall, but he was gaining a lot of steam before the season ended. Uh, Tyler or Tyrese Halliburton, uh, the guard from Iowa State, is an intriguing prospect because I've seen him going anywhere from like five to fifteen, and mm-hmm. he's coming off knee injury, and he's a six five guard. He's got you know, explosion. He's got the ability to shoot. Like he's a great player. And if he's sitting there at 11, like I would not be opposed to the Spurs taking him. Like you can figure out the DeJounte Murray thing. You can figure out Derek white. You can figure like, give me more talent. I if I can put three, six, five guards out around the perimeter, guess what? I can say bye to Brent Forbes. All of a sudden I can say goodbye (laughs) to, you know, Patty Mills or whoever it may be. And saying goodbye to Patty Mills also does what? It opens up cap space. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, you know, or even having that size coming out in on the second unit to where, you know, three, six, five guards, uh, uh, you know, spaced around the top of the perimeter. Like you, you're starting to look like a bigger team to me. <laughs> if you've got something like that up your sleeve. So I think the size thing in terms of seven, what seven foot, whatever, like mm-hmm. imagine a six, five guard that can switch from the point to basically the four almost. Sounds good to me. I mean, 
you know, it, it makes a, a defense very intriguing when you talk about stuff like that. Uh, Okenya Okongwu, a kid from USC who averaged over 16 points, he's 6'9". Like, that's, that's a forward that you can use, and he could possibly replace Rudy Gay at the four. He could slide down to the five when you go into a smaller ball type of lineup. You know, Cole Anthony, the kid from North Carolina, I've seen starting to fall down draft boards. If he falls to the Spurs, add another explosive score. I don't care. Like, it, right. it's Tyrese Maxey, the 19-year-old kid from uh, Kentucky who was part of John Calipari's team. We know what Kentucky kids do in the league. Yep. It's worth taking a flyer on a potential, you know, number one player from Kentucky first guy off the board kind of stuff. I mean, I've seen him. I believe he was uh, actually the pick in ESPN draft analyst Jonathan Gibney's latest mock draft for the Spurs at 11 or 12. Chidi um, Bay is a six-foot-eight wing from Villanova that could give you some some boost and some wiggle, and uh, he shoots 45% from three. That's a dude that could fall to the Spurs somewhere in that, 10, 11, 12 range. Like these are all great guys. Devin Vassell's another, you know, wing type defender at 6'6, 180 that could fall to mm-hmm. the Spurs in that area. The guy, the, the big man that played next to James Wiseman for like the two games he was eligible. <laughs> uh, Preface Achua out of yeah. Memphis. He's a dude that's 6'9, he's a power forward. He could come in, he could do those things. And if he fell into that range, I would not be opposed to the Spurs looking at a guy like that. But I also wouldn't be opposed to adding another guard as long as it's, you know, value. Like value is the main thing I look for when I'm looking at whether it's 10, 11, or 12, wherever the Spurs end up when the season ultimately does come to a conclusion. Right. Just add talent. I can figure the rest out in free agency. And I think that's something that, you know, R.C. Buford and and Brian, Brian Williams and, yeah. and Greg Popovich can all do together to kind of figure out what's best for this team. Because I can tell you, they can use some three-point shooting. They can use some length. They can use some defense. I mean, there's a lot of things that they can use. Just find the best of what's available of that in the draft. And then go find your your Jordan Ly- or I mean your Trey Lyles or whatever in right. free agency and supplement the holes that way. Uh, quick question though, Do you, I think I might know your answer on this one, but how much does the fact that Demar Derozan's status in San Antonio is in limbo right now impacting the Spurs uh, in their draft situation? Do you think that's going to have any impact on it or not really? The only impact that whether it's Demar Derozan or LaMarcus Aldridge have on this draft in my mind, if I'm running the show in San Antonio is if it gets me higher in the draft, that's the only impact I, I, that those two players have in terms of what my thoughts are on who I'm taking, because it's not about the position. It's about the player. I'm taking the best available player. I will figure out the rest later, but if y'all can, get me further up into the upper echelon to where I can get like an Obi Toppin, then mm-hmm. I'm all in. You're all in. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was just and wondering that's that, possibly you... something to look at in terms of you look at where the Knicks are picking. The Knicks could be a potentially high slot around that Obi Toppin range that you may be looking for 
they're looking to add a superstar. They've whiffed on Durant. They've whiffed on a bunch of people. You get him back into the East. You also get him onto a team that will allow him to be their number one because they don't have one currently. They give him a big extension because they've got the cap space to be able to do so. He's happy. Everybody wins. And then you can draft a guy like Obi Toppin, and then you can start figuring out if you want to play him with LaMarcus or if LaMarcus would be best suited in Portland and right. getting something back in return there and just going full youth movement at that point. Oh, yeah. If, whatever they do, they are in that youth movement period now. Uh, they believe uh, Penny Mills even spoke about that recently, um, saying that it's kind of obvious that the Spurs are in big time transition right now. So why not hit that hit, hit that um, turbo boost on Knight Rider's <laughs> uh, kit, you know, then really get them over the hump and get that process going. Because as of right now, as we're speaking, it, it, it felt like the Spurs are still trying to cling on to that. You know, we're not going to tank it. It felt like, no, we're, we don't believe in that. And no, we're still going to ride LMA. And yes, DeMar you do. Rose. That's how this started. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> That's what they were doing. That's what it felt like. And then, you know, I said this yesterday on Lockdown Spurs. For me, during the season, before it got cut short, I think I was in New York or Brooklyn. I don't know which road game I attended, but one of those two. I think you were in Brooklyn, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was broke. Thank you. Brooklyn. And I'm hearing these guys talk about how they're gunning for the eighth seed. And I'm standing there in the media huddle thinking, wow, I have never heard the Spurs say go eight seed is usually go title or we're going to have a I've deep never run. Heard, you, you, yeah. you phrased that sentence wrong. I've never heard the Spurs say something that they were gunning for such mediocrity. Okay. Well, James Pledger said that everybody. So I'm just kidding. I, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Is an eight seed, not the, yeah. the epitome of mediocrity though. It is, and, and it, it would have uh, put, you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen with the season, but if for some strange reason they, they resume and they say, okay, everybody is back, then the Spurs likely are going to chase that eight seed because they made it very clear, a few players have said it during the hiatus, that they, the team, and I get it, they, what else they're going to say, you know, they're not going to say, no, we weren't, but they're gunning for that playoff spot. Then if and they Yaka do that, and they would be it, healthy for that stretch run. Right. But okay, fine. So they make the stretch run. They do a good job. They they sneak in and voila, they're in. But again, that puts the team picking 18 all of a sudden. Yeah, picking 18. Exactly. So if it was up to me, James, I, I, I don't know, man. Early vacation would be nice if we're going for the long game. Sure. Uh, the long games, uh, uh, you know, it's what's been on the Spurs mind because they've they've kind of seen the writing on the wall with a when it came to the Warriors and once Kawhi left, and then even with the dissimulation of the Warriors, look how quickly they're going to be good. You saw it happen. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant left. All of a sudden, Steph gets hurt. Clay got hurt in the finals, and there's nobody left on that team. Well, they, they acquired a first-round pick the previous year that's going to be a top five pick along with their own possible top five. Like they've got a chance to just clean up and reload mm -hmm. that roster in one to two drafts. And all of a sudden their players get healthy. They come back and this thing's ready to roll again. You got the mm -hmm. Lakers with the moves that they made, the Clippers, the moves what they made. And then Oklahoma city looking like a budgeting, uh, 
threat in the Western yeah. Conference with all that youth and picks and everything that they've got to play with and the treasure chest of Sam Presti over there. I mean, at some point, you can either continue to toil in mediocrity or you can do what Oklahoma City said or what Golden State said and said, you know what, let's just blow it up and try and get back to this as quick as possible. And they did, and Golden State's in a prime position now. So is Oklahoma City because they were they were twilling around from that six to eight seed there for a few years before Sam Presti finally said, all right, Westbrook, everybody, you know, gone, gone, gone. Let's get as much as we can for these assets, and let's let's run this back. And I had no problems with that. Uh, seeing a team like OKC and Presti blow it up. Because to me, and I'm looking at that from the outside in, you know, saying that's smart. That's a smart thing for them to do. Uh, the Spurs are seeing that. And also, too, James, you mentioned all those teams with the picks and the youth. If the Spurs are not careful, they could be looking in the rear mirror saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I, we thought we were the head of the pack. And now we're looking ahead and all these teams just vaulted over us. And their youth not is trying to get vault over you. But you can look in the rearview mirror at all these people, and as you're looking back there, all of a sudden, DeMar declines player option, goes to free agency, you get nothing for him. LaMarcus, you know, his contract ends, you get nothing for him. And all of a sudden, you've got eight seed, eight seed, eight seed, eight seed, you know, 18th pick, 20th pick, 24th pick, whatever it may be that they normally get. And none of those late draft picks hit the way they've hit in previous years mm-hmm. and th- you're the Kings next thing you know. <laughs> oh God. No, 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 no. The Spurs don't want to go down that road. And I, I think the writing is on the wall. But there's, some, they, there's something to be said about knowing when to rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Well, it has to be very soon. If, if you're, you're San Antonio, they cannot be hanging on to the, the glory days that those glory days are over now. Um, you know, they're, they're years from, even sniffing the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion, uh, let alone the NBA Finals. So, yeah, they might as well jump started. Might as well hit that reset button and move forward. They got talent. Lonnie Walker, Keldon. Uh, we'll get to see if uh, Shamat Samanich pans out, and the, whoever they pick in the draft. So they will have a nice foundation of youth. It's just a matter of how they're going to put it together, James. Yeah, and uh, the best way to do that is continue to swing because draft picks are for the most part lottery tickets and they're not all going to hit but when they mm-hmm. do hit and you find your tony and you find your manu and you yeah. find your duncan who can be the centerpiece like that yeah. will completely revolutionize a franchise and we have yet in recent years to see one of those big scratch hits off of one of these lottery tickets we have belief that possibly DeJounte could be that. There is a sense of hope that Keldon can evolve into something. But even Mm -hmm. then, look at Phoenix. I mean, Devin Booker was a massive hit. But you need more than just a Devin Booker. You need more than just a DeJounte Murray. You need more than just a Keldon Johnson. Like It takes more than one man to win in the NBA and they need help. We saw, we've seen it in the last dance with Michael and Scotty. We've seen it in recent years with LeBron, whether, no matter who he teams up with or the Warriors or whoever it may be, 
it takes multiple pieces to win titles. Yeah, and the uh, Spurs, they have pieces, but they're not, I guess, solid pieces yet. You can say, you know what, we're definitely going to start building around Keldon, Lonnie, or Murray. You know, I mean, I don't think the you look at it, and we got the scratch, and we got that first row, and we yeah. see like w- one of the three things you got to match, and then we scratch that second one, and it <laughs> looks like one of them may be the same piece, but we right. still got a fair scratch on the rest rest of that to see if it's the second pe- the the second clover or whatever. But then you've still got to match that third piece to see if Dejounte Murray is what you think he's going to be, or if Lonnie Walker is what we think he's going to be. So like, we're only halfway through even finding out if we're close. It's definitely going to be a long haul for the uh, Spurs to get back into some sort of title contention. But when we get back, uh, James and I are going to be talking about your San Antonio Spurs and a little bit of news and notes. back and i'm joined by james pleasure he is the co-host of the saturday morning hangover on espn san antonio james tell everybody about your show with rj oh me and rj just having some fun on a saturday morning talking about the world of sports whether it's the spurs the draft the cowboys the texans uh college football college sports in general uh utsa longhorns aggies red raiders i mean we just uh kind of whatever we Whatever topics we find much like this here that just kind of spark our curiosity to talk about, we end up talking about it. We spent like 30 minutes talking about bad boys for life last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people tuning in going like, yeah, we're going to hit the latest on the Cowboys in the draft and huh, bad boys for life. Okay, well, we'll roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, speaking of bad boys, uh, you've been watching The Last Dance? I have. The bad boys were everything that I thought they were, and Rodman is everything I remember him to be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I bring up the bad boys, Pistons, because uh, the Spurs have a uh, former Piston that, well, really came out of his shell when he came into San Antonio. That'd be Dennis Rodman. Uh, For those of y'all who don't know, the last answer, chronicling the the final, final Chicago Bulls uh, 98 team. That won it all, and on that team was Dennis Rodman, a former Spur. Uh, in episode three of the documentary, uh, they quickly highlighted his time in San Antonio, but that got enough Spurs fans to start reminiscing about the Rodman era in San Antonio. Uh, James, I asked Not a lot like of Spurs fans. Long. <laughs> yeah, two seasons. Um, but you know what? Before I ask you, you know uh, about Rodman, those record-wise, the Spurs had pretty damn good records when he was here. Yeah, I think at one point yeah. they were third in the West at 34 and 14 or something, if I remember yeah. correctly, from the last dance documentary when they were showing the standings and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Hey, do you have any, uh, <laughs> do you have, do you have any uh, Rodman in San Antonio mer- memories? I I actually do. I remember being a, a kid in high school, and I ran into him at a McDonald's in new Braunfels of all places mm-hmm. and i ended up getting his autograph on a nap uh, on a napkin and i actually still have it framed somewhere in my belongings <laughs> nice how was he was he pretty uh okay about it, the whole thing oh he was a cool dude <laughs> yeah you know and that was the thing that i got uh, from spurs fans uh, a couple of days ago and i asked them about uh, any memories they like to share a lot of them said off the court he was a really good guy 
socialize, bought drinks, uh, uh, San Antonio um, local celebrity um, who was on uh, Desperate Housewives, uh, Ricardo Chavira, he told me that um, that he showed up to one of his performances when he was still studying acting in that kind of word, the university. So you, you heard a lot of those stories like that, but on the court, my God, man, he was, he down, he was a rebound machine for San Antonio. There was no doubt about it, you know, but man, um, GM Popovich couldn't really rein him in. Could he? I'm not sure anybody could really rein in Dennis Rodman. Right. And the, the one thing that I will say is Chuck Daly was great. And I think, you know, head coach Greg Popovich, like this iteration of Greg Popovich may be, have been able to deal with him better mm-hmm. in terms of just him being a people person because Phil Jackson got through to him talking about Native American culture. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Coach Daly got through to him as a father figure. And, you know, once he went through the breakup of the Bad Boy Pistons, he saw the harsh ugly reality of what the NBA was and that kind of led to the Rodman that we saw in San Antonio. Well, it was a uh, time to him going to Chicago. Like, I'm not sure there was a team more well-equipped to deal with his presence just in terms of Phil Jackson, his ability to, see a person and kind of figure out internally what makes them tick and then how much leash he needs to give certain people. And then having the alphas like Michael and Scotty to kind Mm -hmm. of rein him in. I don't think David was the type of alpha that could have done that. It could, it was really only Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. It it was definitely a uh, wild time in San Antonio, at least for two seasons with uh, the worm or demolition man. That's what he turned into, the Demolition Man. That's when he debuted the multicolor hairdo. It was blonde. I was uh, old enough to remember the uh, trade and the, everybody's reaction. No, no, Sean Elliott is gone. And everybody was crying and upset about it. Uh, I yeah, remember. got him back in a couple of years. Yeah, they got him back. <laughs> remember, he almost was a rocket, too. He was close to being a Houston rocket until they did the physical and they found out about the kidney issues that he had. So Houston mm-hmm. mixed that. And then he went back to Detroit and then the Spurs stepped in and swooped him up and traded for Elliott back to San Antonio. But um, my memory is of his very, uh, Rodman's very first uh, conference with fans or his first interaction with fans. And he did this, uh, I think it was one of those scrimmages at the Alamo Dome. And he introduced himself to the, uh, the fans at the Dome. And he's, you know, the usual stuff. Thank you. you know, good to be in San Antonio and blah 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 he takes off his uh is a ski ski hat that ski thing and um, he reveals the blonde hair and everybody was going nuts uh and then he ended his talk by saying let's get solid that's what his theme was going to be in that first year in san antonio the next thing you know it was all over the news promos were saying you know uh, spurs versus whatever rockets let's get solid you know, coming up next you know, on such and such station and then T-shirts, knockoff T-shirts. Let's get solid on every corner street in San Antonio. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of um, stuff with Rodman in San Antonio, including the time when Madonna showed up at the Alamo Dome for one of his games. That was weird. But <laughs> nevertheless, he brought a little bit of a spark. James, you want to describe it like that? 
during the San Antonio, uh, in San Antonio, excuse me, when he was here. But some other uh, news and notes here. James, I talked about in the beginning, NBA teams are planning to allow, uh, oh, the NBA, excuse me, is planning to allow NBA teams to go back to press facilities. Now, Spurs fans got all up and riled up thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is it. Yeah, we're going to see practices and, you know, one-on-ones now. Uh, they got to pump the brakes, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a very slow, much like the rest of the the city opening back up. It's not opening back up in full. There's, you know, 25% capacity at, at restaurants and, you know, masks in public and, you know, things like that. I mean, it's going to be individual workouts. There's going to be no teams, no OTAs, no groups, no coaching staffs. If a player wants to go up to the facilities and work out or train or shoot and get up some shots, they're going to have the ability to do that starting May 8th. That's it. Yeah. Like, so they'll have to work schedules around and stuff like that to be able to do what they need to do. But other than that, that's going to be the extent of it at first, just so they can, you know, try and keep shape. You know, we learned throughout this whole ordeal that Giannis Antetokounmpo does not have a basketball hoop. (laughs) (laughs) What? No way. So, yeah. He does not have access to a basketball hoop. So I imagine he's not the only one. Like, uh, you know, some don't have Mike Conley like courts at their house. Some probably do some bigger, but you know, I imagine, you know, Keldon Johnson or guys that live in, whether it's an apartment or a complex, like they probably don't have access to a gym. Mm -hmm. And even if they do, if like their apartment complex has a gym, much like my gym at my apartment, it's closed right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's a baby steps. That's all the NBA is going to be just doing right now. Just baby steps. As soon as uh, this virus gets somewhat in control, it's starting to, it's just, we're not there yet, everybody. So I guess the point is just be safe. You know, don't prolong this longer than it needs to be. I'm just reading all these articles, James, about, you know, the breakdown of how the virus is spreading in San Antonio. And I think maybe ranked top was in like close contact. So that tells me people in San Antonio are not staying indoors. So just stay indoors and do what you got to do and get it over with. I know James is doing the exact same thing because he, I know you will definitely, definitely want to see some sports back uh, considering all of us are kind of just scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. Like what can we talk about today? <laughs> uh, I hadn't got to that point yet, but we're starting to get close. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting close for me too. I'm thinking, okay, how much can I drag this topic out? Uh, but it's, you know, hopefully um, the uh, end will come sooner than later. So do your part, San Antonio. Uh, James, one more time, tell everybody about Saturday Morning Hangover and how they can tune in. Uh, you can catch it online, ESPNSA.com or Facebook Live. We we uh, live stream the whole show with me and RJ. You can also listen on the radio at 94.5 FM or 12.50 AM if you're in the San Antonio area. And we always podcast it. You can check it out on our Twitter feeds at RJ Ochoa or at I am Pledger. James, what did you think about Maul versus Ahsoka? Did you see the fight yet? <laughs> of course. I mean, it's it's what you think it is because you you know, you know, Maul ends up eventually 
perishing at the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine at some point. So, I mean, you knew there, you knew there's an out <laughs> yeah. for him to get out, but I, I just kind of like the way it's intertangled into uh, the middle of Revenge of the Sith right now. Yeah. And it, it even alludes to uh solo as well. Uh, you know, the, um, the head, um, Crimson Dawn, thank you so much. Uh, so it links to that. It links to, as you mentioned, Revenge of the Sith. I thought the fight was awesome. I also didn't think that Ahsoka had an her to talk trash. She talked trash mm-hmm. to him. She told him, she said, Maul, you're lucky Anakin is not here. <laughs> you know? In other words, she was saying he would have just obliterated him. I'm not sure, but I like, I like the fact that uh, Maul was very concerned and tried to foreshadow Anakin's turn to mm-hmm. Ahsoka and everyone else mm-hmm. as Sidious's new apprentice. And I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, again, I, I do like how he was alluding to that throughout the entire interaction where he would do something and then he'll look at the, the clones and he'll be, okay, not yet. You know, like he knew, like it hasn't started yet. He was gauging what's going on. And there was a moment, James, where I actually was kind of looking at Maul, listening to him, and then saying, you know what, he has a point. <laughs> that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. You know, you you end Anakin, and you at least you end this bad street. You don't know what the bad street Maul's going to take you in. But, hey, uh, Soka went for it. She kind of bought it at first. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been... Like the end of this Clone Wars saga has been incredibly, incredibly well done so far. So it's going to be very interesting to see with Ahsoka popping up in the Mandalorian season two at some point, you know, does, does Captain Rex show up at some point? Like Mm -hmm. these are going to be like kind of fun, interesting plot lines to follow going forward. Yeah, definitely is. And, uh, for those of y'all who already abandoned this episode because James and I went off the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars nerd trip, <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G. Spurzo. Go to the Spurzo News for San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Uh, as mentioned, you can read about Spurs fans and their memories of the Dennis Rodman era in San Antonio. And also what Patty Mills is doing with the city of San Antonio as far as helping to stop the spread of the coronavirus in the Alamo City. It's all there. And subscribe to Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcast. So for James Pleasure, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs. Spurs.